Revelation chapter 20, we come now at the end of everything in this created world. And this scene in the final verses of Revelation chapter 20 is what's called the great white throne judgment. When we come to this place, we find sinners, countless men and women standing in judgment before a holy God. Now listen, this is not the same judgment that believers are going to experience. If you're saved today, if you've put your faith in Christ, you're a child of God, you will not stand before God at the great white throne judgment. You will stand before Him at what's called the judgment seat of Christ. The difference is, the judgment seat of Christ is for the saints of God, the saved, the redeemed. The great white throne judgment is for the unsaved, those who have rejected Christ as their Savior. You need to know this if you're a child of God today. Your sin is not going to be judged at the judgment seat of Christ. You know why? Because God isn't going to judge it a second time. If you're a child of God today, He has already judged your sin through what He did to His Son at the cross. As Jesus hung on the cross, He bore your sin and mine. He took the punishment and paid the price for our sin. When you and I stand at the judgment seat of Christ, we will be standing there for a judgment that has to do with the good works that we've done while we lived our lives on this earth. The good things that we did, that we did by God's Spirit and for God's glory, we're going to get rewards for those things. And you know what we're going to do with those rewards? We're just going to give them back to Jesus in praise. Because we wouldn't have done one single good work had He not loved us, right? And given Himself for us. Those good things that we've done in our body that we didn't do through His Spirit and that we didn't do for His glory, they're going to be burned up. There'll be no reward for those good things that we did. But not one drop of condemnation is going to be offered against your sin at the judgment seat of Christ. That's because every drop of God's condemnation toward your sin was poured out on His Son, Jesus, at the cross. Isn't that great news? We're free today, y'all. Free indeed. Whom the Son has set free is free indeed. Mark every single sin you've ever committed or will ever commit, because Carol tells me there's a lot of them, have been cast. Isn't that what you said? (laughs) Has been cast as far as the east is from the west. God remembers them no more. Do you know God can't forget? He's omniscient. He can't forget. What does the Bible mean when it says he remembers our sin no more? Well, literally, he can't do that. What it means is, the language of that phrase, what it literally means is, he chooses to no longer hold it against us. He's let it go. It's gone. He'll never bring it up. Never. Jesus accomplished that, provided that forgiveness for us through the cross. But the judgment scene that we see today in Revelation chapter 20 is what we call the great white throne judgment. And this judgment is for every person that failed in their life to turn from self and to turn from sin and to put their faith, their confidence, their trust in Christ alone as their Savior. Listen, if you leave this world without having trusted Jesus Christ to save you from your sin, this will be your last day in court. There will be no appeal. You will have no defense attorney. There will be no debate, no argument about your guiltiness as a sinner before a holy God. 
You will not stand before a jury of your peers. You will stand before Jesus Christ himself, the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords in all of his blazing glory. And it will simply be you standing there alone before him, alone in your sin. And ever since Adam and Eve, Satan has been trying to convince humanity that there are no consequences for the decisions and the choices that we make in life. Satan has convinced and is convincing many that you can live your life however you want it, whatever makes you happy, whatever you want to do. And there's nobody that you're ultimately going to be held accountable before. Our educational system has propagated this lie now for a number of generations. Teaching our children, having taught us the same thing. That we weren't created. That we evolved. That we're simply the result of random gases that came together. That all of it is random. There is no meaning. There is no purpose. There is no value. So live as you wish to live. And live for now because this is all there is. And there's nothing beyond. You'll never have to answer for what you do in this life. Well, that's not working out real well for our society. What we've been indoctrinated with now in this country and around the world for all this time has resulted now in men and women simply living their lives however they want to live it with no regard for other people no sense of value on life they've bought into the lie that that's all we are just a random collection of gases that are constantly evolving we weren't created there is no creation Therefore, there is no creator. There is none that we will stand before one day and give an account for what we did in this life. Satan has convinced billions and billions of people of this. That there is no creator and you'll simply one day go out of existence. Or he's convinced people that, well, there is a God or may be a God, but he's really indifferent about you and about us. And it really doesn't matter so much what you do. And I want to tell you today, that's just the biggest, fattest lie straight out of the pit of hell. That lie has shaped our society and the world that we're living in today. And it's all lies. I want you to know today that this judgment of sinners is not something that John just dreamed up all by himself. In fact, Jesus spoke about it as well. In John chapter 5, verse 25, Jesus says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself and he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. We talked last week about there's two resurrections. There's the resurrection to life and the resurrection to judgment. Verse 6 of 
Revelation 20 said, Blessed and holy is those who participate in the first resurrection, the resurrection of life. We're talking today about the second resurrection, the resurrection of judgment. So let's look at that. And the first thing that I want us to see today about this judgment is I want us to see the setting. The setting. Verse 11 says, Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. Now listen, this throne that Jesus is sitting on here in Revelation chapter 20 is not his majestic throne, his glorious throne that we saw back in Revelation 1 and in Revelation 4 and in Revelation 5. No, no, this is his throne of judgment. This is a frightening sight to see Jesus on this throne. He's sitting on this throne of judgment, but we don't know exactly where this is taking place, by the way. In fact, better said, I would say it like this. It's impossible for us to know exactly where this is taking place because at this point in human history, we have now entered into the eternal state. There really is no sense of place or time now. We have stepped into eternity. When we get to Revelation chapter 20, verse 11, the entire physical created universe is gone. It has been uncreated. That timeline that we just walked through takes us up to this passage of Scripture today where just as Jesus started all that by speaking it all into existence, by the time we come to Revelation chapter 20, verse 11, Jesus speaks it all out of existence. Look at the text. Verse 11 says, From His presence, earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. So listen, that means this great white throne judgment is happening in a place of nothingness. The old heavens and the old earth have vanished. And the new heaven and the new earth that we're going to, Lord willing, begin to read about, by the way, and you're not going to want to miss the next several weeks. We're going to read about that next week. But they haven't been created yet in Revelation chapter 20. What we have here, it seems, is the same darkness and void that we were introduced to back in Genesis chapter 1. The darkness and void that was before creation came into existence. The same darkness and void that back in Genesis chapter 1, the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the water and Jesus spoke, let there be light. We're back to that. We're back to that kind of darkness and void. And these sinners before the great white throne of judgment here, they're going to have no point of reference for where they are. They will be in complete nothingness. They will have nothing except their sin as they stand before Jesus in all of His holiness. Verse 12, John says, And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. Obviously, they're not dead anymore. And that's not good news for these folks. Here we have billions and billions of sinners who've neglected to put their faith and trust in Christ as Savior. From Cain all the way to the last man standing that we read about last week when the fire fell down from heaven. John says that this mass of humanity standing before the throne of Jesus here is both great and small. In other words, these are people who once were considered somebodies and nobodies. Once they were known and some were unknown. Once some of them were rich and once some of them were poor. Some of them once upon a time were the haves. And once upon a time some of them were the have-nots. 
At one point in time, some of them had a great education. And at one point in time, some of them had no education at all. This mass of humanity before the great white throne are people from every nation, every creed, every walk of life, every color. Listen, you might be somebody in this world right now, but if you leave this world apart from a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to be a nobody in nothingness for all of eternity. These billions of people are sinners who now have been reunited with their dead bodies. It's a dark scene. It's a despairing scene. It's a hopeless scene. This fellowship of the damned stands in tremendous contrast to the fellowship of the saved that we're going to enter into next week. Hebrews says that it's a, a fearful and a dreadful thing for a sinner to fall into the hands of an angry God. And this is what we see before us today in our text. Imagine being in that scene, sitting in silence and in darkness, waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And then the silence is broken and you hear a great voice say, All rise. The Lord Jesus Christ now presiding. That's the setting. I want us to see, secondly, the standard. The standard of the judgment. Verse 12 goes on to say, And books were opened. Books with an S. The books refer to the record of all the sins that each of these people have ever committed. If you leave this world without having trusted Christ to save you, one day you're going to stand at this judgment and He's going to open up the books. And every sinful thing that you've ever done will be exposed. Every righteous thing that you should have done but didn't do will be exposed. That's what's in the books. And on this, your last day in court, the evidence of your sinfulness will be overwhelming. The text says, then another book, singular book, then another book was opened, which is the book of life. We're going to talk about that in a few moments, but let's stay right now with these books. This omniscient, all-knowing God is keeping a record of every single transgression, every single sin, every one. There's not a one that he ignores, not a one. There's not one single rebel sin that has ever happened in his creation that will go unaccounted for, not one. Not one will be missed or forgotten. Not one will be swept under the rug. And these sinners and all their sins are going to be judged against the standard of the perfection of Jesus, the righteousness, the holiness of Jesus. This is why Jesus said in Matthew 5, Be perfect, as your Father in heaven is perfect. You go, Pastor, that's crazy. Nobody's perfect. That's why Jesus came, to be perfect in your place. Because you and I couldn't be. Look, just sinning one time makes you a sinner. Guilty. Before God, the Bible says all of us have sinned. 
everyone and fallen short of his glory. And each and every one of these sins is recorded in these books. Verse 12 goes on to say, And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. This is the second resurrection. This is the resurrection of the unsaved. This is the resurrection of the lost. And from the dust of the ground to the depths of the sea, God brings back every single human being that has ever walked on this earth that failed to turn from sin and self and trust Christ as Savior. The Bible says here that Hades will give up the souls of the dead. Listen, when a person dies right now, their soul goes to one or two places. Jim Horn went home to be with the Lord a minute ago. We say that. That's not figurative, that's literal. You're not a body that has a soul. You're a soul that's encased in a body. The real you is the soul. The saved person, their soul immediately departs this body, this shell, and goes into the presence of the Lord. The unsaved soul departs the body and goes to a place called Hades. It's a place of torment. Hades, by the way, is not the final place of torment. It's a temporary place of torment until you go and you stand in a resurrected body at the great white throne of judgment before God. At the great white throne judgment, these souls are brought out of Hades, their bodies are brought up out of the earth, and they're joined together again before God in this judgment. Verse 13 concludes by saying, And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Now that's the setting, and that's the standard. Now I want you to see the sentence. The sentence, verse 14 says, Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. Death and Hades are simply the temporary residence for the unsaved dead. I told you their souls go to Hades. Their bodies go to, to death somewhere in this world. Right now those bodies are in some state of decay in this world. But their souls are in this temporary place of torment called Hades. But at the great white throne judgment, those bodies and souls are brought back together. They're standing before God. Hades was only the place for their souls. The earth was only the place for their bodies. Now that they're joined back together and they're standing before the great white throne of God, there's no more of a need for Hades. You see that? And there's certainly no more a need for this place called this old broken, sinful world. At the great white throne judgment, death and Hades are no longer needed. So the Bible says God picks them up and he throws them into the lake of fire like a throwing of a garbage bag into a landfill. They served his purposes and he has no use of them anymore. The lake of fire is also called the second death. The first death these people experienced was the death of their, their, their souls being in torment in this place of Hades. The second death is both physical and spiritual. They'll have a real body. Just like you're going to have a real body, you're going to learn more about that in the weeks to come. We're not going to be little Caspers floating around playing harps. I'm not really interested in doing that forever, I'm going to be honest with you. That's not what we're going to have, y'all. We're going to have real bodies. Well, so are the unsaved. And the second death is those real bodies and those souls are going to suffer apart from the love of God forever. 
Verse 15, John says, If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, the book of life, now here it is, singular. If your name's not found in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Just like he throws death in Hades, that person whose name is not in the book of life will be thrown into the lake of fire. What this means is Jesus is going to call at this judgment a sinner forward. He's going to go through the books and every sin will be revealed. Guilty. And then Jesus will take the book singular, the book of life. He will open that and that person's name will not be there. And then they'll be thrown to the lake of fire. You say, why does Jesus have to open up the book of life? Doesn't he know their, their name's not going to be there? Oh, he knows. But he's driving the point home. Your name could have been here. I offered you grace. I offered you salvation. But you spurned me. You turned from me. You rejected me. I'm not sending you to hell, he might say. You did this to yourself. And without any hesitation then, that sinner will be thrown into the lake of fire where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth and that place of torment forever. The measliest of little worms won't even shrivel up and die there. It will go on. And with that, this broken creation, this sin-tainted world that you and I know right now is uncreated. Death and Hades and billions of sinners are cast into the lake of fire where they're going to be forever. Listen to what Jesus says in Luke chapter 12. I'm concerned that in the days that we're living in, we've lost sight of what we really ought to be afraid of. Jesus reminds us. He says in verse 4, I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body. And after that, have nothing more they can do. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who, after he has killed, has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Listen, today the only way that you're going to escape this judgment is through a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. He's not going to grade on the curve. He's not going to say, well, I found a whole lot of sins in this book, but you know, you did some good stuff too, so no, no. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except they come through me. If you've never trusted Christ to be your Savior, you need to do that today. You don't need to wait. It could be that I'm preaching next Sunday when I'm interrupted that you've passed out of this life. Do you know Jesus today? Or have you just sort of tinkered around and played around? Yeah, I kind of like Jesus, you know. I know about Him and I, I'm fond of Him. That's not enough. You've got to surrender your life to Him. Bow before Him now. 
Every knee's going to bow, but only the ones that bow before Him as Lord now will be saved. They're going to bow at the great white throne judgment, but it's going to be over. It's going to be too late. Today, you can call on Jesus and trust Him. How do I do that? You simply recognize that God's holy and you're not. Your relationship with Him is broken because of sin. God created you to have a relationship with Him. But the only way this broken relationship can be mended is by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. You recognize that Jesus is the Son of God. That because God so loved you and so loved this world, He gave His Son into this world who lived a perfect and sinless life and died a death that you and I should have died for our sins on the cross. But Jesus died that death in our place and God raised Him on the third day. And if you'll call out to Him today, He'll save you. He'll make you His son or His daughter forevermore. And there will ever, never, ever, ever again be anything to separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. If you need to be saved today, I pray you'd be saved today. What about the rest of us? Well, can I ask you this? When's the last time you, Christian, you got a place at the judgment seat of Christ, but when's the last time you told somebody what I just said? When's the last time you told somebody, hey, I got really good news for you? Do you realize how broken and hurting and desperate our world is right now? When's the last time you told somebody, hey, can I tell you what? Your life matters. God made you. He has a purpose for your life. You're broken right now because of sin, but Jesus came to give you life and to reconcile you to God if you'll just trust Him. We talked about this last week that we need to be anticipating more right now than ever before. We need to be participating more right now than ever before. A lot of you in this room, you got a biblical worldview. You're kind of looking at the world and you get it. You understand it. You know it. Not all of you. Some of you are early on in your relationship with Jesus and you're learning, you're growing, and we're being inundated by false worldviews that aren't based on truth and our world has been absorbed into false worldviews that aren't true you and i know the truth right and i believe that if somebody else knows the truth they'll be set free just like jesus has set me free and i want to challenge you grace life there was this phrase that used to get tossed around a lot when i was a kid growing up in church some of y'all if you grew up in church like i did maybe you remember this phrase it's called soul winning anybody remember that phrase we got away from soul winning, we got into saint entertaining. But in these days, we got to get back to soul winning. We know the truth, man. I, I just want to tell you, so this week, you know, the Lord's just speaking to my heart. I, 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 don't, I don't live around, I, my life is around the saints, and that's not a good thing. i got to do something about that. That's not being the missionary I'm supposed to be. So this week I said, all right, God, I'm, 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 I want to share the good news, right, with somebody. And so this is the way the Lord put it on my heart. And I know I'm live streaming right now, and so I, this may get me in some trouble. I don't know, because it don't take much to get you in trouble these days. But here's what I did this week, and I share this to encourage you. Not to do what I did the way I did it, but just to know the times we're living in, and we have hope that changes lives. So I'm going through a local drive-thru the other day. A young black man was working that drive-thru, probably college age, probably the age of my son, my oldest son. And there was nobody behind me. It was off time and the busyness of it all. And so I thought, all right, Lord, help me here. And so I said, hey, can I ask you a question? And he said, yeah. And I said, do black lives matter? Some of y'all been waiting for weeks to hear your pastor say that phrase. You've been waiting to see what's he going to do with that. 
And so I asked him, do you think black lives, I do, I wonder if you do. do, do you think black lives matter? And he said, yeah. And I said, why? By the way, just let me tell you, that's a biblical phrase. That's, that phrase is packed full of biblical truth. If, if you disagree with that, you don't know God. You don't know the Bible. All right? And you could put in there any shade, color, and whatever you want, and that statement's going to be true. All right? Now, I, I believe from what I know about an organization that goes by that name, I believe Satan has done what he likes to do. He likes to take a biblical truth and hijack it and exploit it to do ungodly things with it, all right? Now, that's a stump speech for another time. That ain't what this conversation was about. I don't, I, I'm not, God hadn't called me to politics. He's called me to be an ambassador for the king. And so I got this conversation with this young man at the drive-thru. I said, do you believe Black Lives Matter? Yeah. I said, why? He didn't know what to say. And Brandon, like you, he's a black man. And I'm going, he don't even know. He don't know why he matters. And he thought about it. And he said, well, you know, we just haven't been treated fairly, and bad things have happened, and blah, blah, blah. And I said, man, I hear you. But can I tell you something? While that's true, that's not why you matter. And he looked at me. I said, man, you matter because God made you. And he made you in his image, just like me. He stamped his image on your life. And y'all, I wish you could have seen. I've done this multiple times this week. I got hugged in the Dollar General. We're in a pandemic. And this is husband and wife, man, we're just having church in the aisle because I had the same conversation with them. And she, she said to me first when I asked that question, she said, well, all lives matter. And she's black. I wouldn't let her get away with that. I said, no, I asked you, do black lives matter? And they didn't know how to answer that. And I wish y'all could see this. When I say, listen, you matter because God made you just like he made me. We're image bearers of God. His image is stamped on us. Whatever God is worth, that's what you are worth. God matters. You matter because God made you. And I wish you could see the hope hit their face like a ton of bricks. I wish you could see the smile on their face. They're operating with the worldview that, that says, I'm coming out of this hard place, this dark place, and I'm defined by the things that have happened historically. And I'm saying, listen, what has happened historically hasn't defined you. It may have prepared you for the mission that God has for you, but that doesn't define you. What defines you is that you are an image bearer of God, and God created you to have a relationship with Him. But just because of sin, like for me, sin has broken that relationship. But did you know you matter so much? God sent His one and only Son in this world to die for you, to reconcile you to God. And if you'll just trust Him, He'll save you just like He saved me. And that young man, he just lights up, big old smile on his face, and he said, I appreciate you telling me that. Y'all, this is the easiest time to share the gospel. And not like that. You don't have to share it like that. I'll give you another way you can share the gospel this week. What, what's something else everybody's talking about? COVID, right? 205,000 people in our country have died of COVID. Now, I, don't, I know you won't sit there and we'll debate and argue, did they really... I don't know. Who cares? We're not about that. It's a, that's a platform to share the gospel. So what do you mean like this? Here's what you do. Hey, can I ask you a question? Those 205,000 Americans that died of COVID, where do you think they are? Change the conversation. We're having the wrong conversation in our country. 
We're having a lot of wrong conversations in our country right now. Ask them, where do you think they are? They might say, well, you know, I'd like to think they're in heaven. Well, why do you think that? Well, you know, I just think good people go to heaven. You know what? I hear what he's saying. But, you know, the Bible says good people don't go to heaven. Did you know the Bible says you have to be saved? You actually have to be perfect and righteous. The only way you can be is through trusting Christ to save you. Grace Life, I don't know. I'm just telling you this because I just believe the field is ready for harvest. When you simply share truth with people right now, it hits their face like a ton of bricks. And they can't hide the way that truth makes them feel. It's like a starving person that just got a meal set in front of them. Grace Life, I want to challenge you. Let's, let's, let's get to some soul winning. All right? And by the way, we might look different on the outside, but our souls all look the same. And they're so glorious, I can't even tell you what they, what they look like. But I know they're built to last forever. Let's be carriers of the good news to people this week. And if you're here today, somebody might have invited you because they might have been trying to figure out how to have a conversation like that with you. And the best they could come up with was, hey, you ought to go to church with me. And as you sat here today, you're thinking, I really don't know Jesus. I'm going to be standing right down here while we sing. And, and um, I'm not social distancing at the altar. And if you don't care, We'll just talk right here, and I'd love to lead you to Jesus right here, right now, all right? So let's stand, let's pray. God, we bow our hearts before you today. Thankful that because of Jesus, we're not going to have to stand in that place of judgment and face that lake of fire. It's only by your grace. But God, every day, the people of God are crossing paths with people who don't know you. People who have been told that they come from nothing, that they are nothing, and they never will be anything. And we have this incredibly good news called the gospel, that you have come from God Almighty. You're stamped with his image. Sin is what's wrong with our world, but Jesus has come to make it right, and you can come to him just as you are. And trust him and he'll save you. God, forgive us for not sharing like we should. I I know why. We're just afraid. We're afraid of being rejected. We're afraid of being misunderstood. We're afraid of somebody being hostile toward us. God, you have told us in your word that you've not given us a spirit of fear. The Holy Spirit, would you fill your people with a holy boldness today and in the days to come? Our days are numbered. And God, I pray that we would be the harvesters in your field in these days like we have never been before. The time for entertaining saints is behind us. The time for being soul winners in your harvest fields are upon us. Give us grace, Jesus.